Six-word prayer, six-word prayer, six-word prayer. Do you remember? Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I had to bring, I had to bring the Dewalt back today. One more time, this is you, this is me, fashioned, created by a creator, but the devil has a way and we in our own stubbornness and selfishness have a way of getting lost, don't we? The devil takes us, lies to us, steals us, deceives us, whatever, but he, he hides us off over here in the, in the middle of nowhere. And somewhere along the line, somebody named Jesus, named Jesus determines that he's going to seek and he's going to save. He's going to rescue that which is lost. And so lots of times without us looking for him or even calling out for him, he comes looking for us. He is a specialist in finding lost sheep. He knows where we are. He knows what we need. And there's no wall that can keep him out. There's no, there's no prison wall. There are no set of bars or gates. There's no distance that's too far for him. I, I know all that just sounds like a lot of preacher talk, but I, I'm telling you there'd be a bunch of you that, are, that would stand up, stand in your pew and say, that's true of me. He found me. He rescued me. He's given me a second shot at life. So that, that's, he's, he's saved us. He rescued us. He brought us back to himself. And we can sing, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Well, and that, that's, that's the folks in Acts chapter 1 who were listening to Jesus talk. They had seen him die on the cross for their sins. They knew where he was buried in Jerusalem. And they knew he was raised from the dead because he was standing right there in front of him, not, not on the cross anymore and not his body in a tomb. He's standing in front of them alive and he's saying these things that we're going to read. But it's amazing what he says to them. He's saying it's, in essence, it, it, it's good that you have been saved. It's good that you have been found. It's good that you have been rescued. But I've got plans for you. I have designs for you. There's a destiny for you. And in order for you to walk out, live out that destiny, you're going to need power. See, I can pull that trigger all day long and there's nothing that happens to it. Even when I stick one of these gizmos in there, I can figure out how to make it stay. And I can pull that trigger and this, this drill bit is fixed. It's attached. It, it's aimed in the right direction. The only problem with it is it just has no power. So 
The Lord says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness. You, you, don't, you don't have the power to be the kind of witness I need just staring at yourself, just examining your own resources or collectively trying to get a group of people who have good intentions together and the energy of that would drive my witness. No, no, no. There's another dimension of how I want to use you. There was a further dimension of effectiveness that I believe you can walk in. But you just need my power. You just need my power. Now, I, I, can, I can change the bit, you know, and I can, I can use you. I can use you to drive a nut on a boat. And I, I can change that out and put a Phillips head or a flathead in there. And I can, it, it, you can do all kinds of different things. Don't, don't get hung up on whether you're, you're driving, you're drilling a hole or you're, or you're fastening a nut or you're, or you're or tightening a drilling a screw. Don't get hung up on what I might use you to do. The only thing you need to know about and make sure you got operating in you is my power. My power. Because with you, the Lord would say, and I'm not trying to rewrite scripture, I'm just trying to help us a little bit see what he's talking about here, that I can use you to do all kinds of things. I fashioned you with power or with the ability to do all kinds of things in my hand. But the thing that you have to have that you can't do without is, is my power. Now, I hope you can just hear that driver running as the background music for us reading Acts chapter 1, all right? Find Acts chapter 1 if you would, and, and this is, you'll remember, these are words spoken after Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's not a baby in Mary's lap anymore. He's not dying on the cross. His blood isn't being shed anymore. The devil did everything he could do to keep Jesus in the grave. But on Easter Sunday morning, the father said, arise my love. And Jesus came out of the grave, no longer dead, but alive, raised from the dead. Death could not hold him. The most powerful things, source, energy in the fallenness of mankind, the energy of death did not have the ability to hold the living Jesus in the grave any longer. So he came forth, he's alive, and he's speaking to these ones who, many of them who saw him crucified, who knew where he was buried, and are now watching him and hearing him speak to them. Now folks, here's what I want to say to you. I don't mean this is insulting. And I don't mean this is a patronizing statement, looking down on anybody. It's just the fact. It's just the truth of Scripture. We can be rescued by Jesus. We can know that we've been washed in the blood. We can know and the Spirit of God can, can help us to understand what he did for us on the cross, but what, what the resurrection means, that now, now Jesus can come and live inside of me. 
And that's all done by the work of the Spirit. That Paul would say, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't know the Lord. All of that was true of these that were listening to Jesus speak these words. And still Jesus says, there's one thing you need that you don't have. You've washed, you've been washed, you've been forgiven, you've been set free from the devil's grip. But what you need is my power. My spirit's power. Not just the words that I've spoken, not just the principles that I've given, but the living, resident, supernatural power of me in your chest. That way I'm able to take that which I've cleansed through the washing of my blood. I'm able to take that which I have rescued from Satan's grip. And now with my power pulsing inside you, You can be used for my purposes. You can be used by my strength to accomplish what is my plan for you and your life. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. John baptized with water. But you shall be baptized, you shall be drenched, you shall be saturated with, you shall be soaked with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority as far as when the ultimate fulfillment of the kingdom of God coming on this earth would be. He said, but here's all you need to know. But you shall receive power. After or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. The Apostle Paul would later write and say, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What Jesus was saying is, There is a measure of my coming to possess you. Jesus is the Lord. The Lord is the Spirit. So Jesus is speaking of his own invisible presence. When my Spirit comes upon you, when my Spirit fills you, when my Spirit baptizes you, drenches you, here's the result. You're going to know that a dimension of power has entered your life. How's that going to be manifest? You'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. Now, we need to back up and and reset the context here. We read those verses so many times, and we go right past, and we forget what, what we have forgotten in 21 centuries since this happened. You shall be my witnesses, Jesus. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to Simon Peter, who at the threat of sharing in persecution like Jesus was undergoing in Caiaphas' courtyard on the night of his arrest and the beginning of the trial, Simon Peter, out of fear for his life, denied three times that he even knew Jesus. 
did not even want to be recognized as a companion of Jesus because he was so afraid of what might also happen to him. He knew the authorities, knew what they were capable of, knew that the Romans were working in concert with the Jewish authorities to to keep that Pax Romana, the Roman peace, in place in that part of the world, in their part of the world. And so whatever it took, They have the ability in a human sense to just diminish any sort of uprising or upheaval in the people. Jesus was considered as a source of upheaval. And Jesus was crucified at the hands of the very ones that Jesus now says, you're going to bear witness of me too. In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria the uttermost part of the earth. Terror, terror, being terrified would not be, would not be strange descriptive terms of this group. A huddled, hidden group, not, 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 not bold and, 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 and proud that they were being persecuted as members of Jesus' clan at this point. They were afraid. And they were tired. And they realized that when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in this city, that it would mean that they would, be, they would come under the jurisdiction of the same ones. The faces hadn't changed. Not enough time had passed. These were just a few days since they did it to Jesus. And now he's saying, power. Power will come upon you such that you will be enabled, you will be strengthened, you'll be supplied with whatever you're going to need to bear witness of me in front of the same ones who orchestrated my persecution and my death. When they heard that, when they heard that declaration from Jesus, it must have, it must have just blown them away. That they Pentecost hadn't happened yet. They hadn't experienced anything like this. All they knew was their own humanity. All they knew what they couldn't do in the threat of such opposition. And here Jesus is saying, power is going to come upon you. Work from the inside out of you. And you will be my witnesses. You will declare as an eyewitness who I am, what I've done, and all that I have been and will be in your life. I'm telling you, that must have just made them look at each other. He must be talking about you because I know he's not talking about me. And Simon Peter could almost have had the sense that this is that this is this is calling me out. This is particularly calling me out because he's talking about the opposite of what I did in Caiaphas' courtyard. You shall receive power. Well, here's here's what happened. They took the words of the Lord seriously, but the weight of those words. It was a promise. He said he would do it, 
but how it was going to happen, what it would look like, what, what would have to happen inside them for it to be true, bewildered them. Like, so much to the point that it was not a hard thing for them to leave when Jesus was ascended to the, back up into heaven as that story closes, that says that they, that they went and they found that upper room in that house and they stayed there and they prayed for 10 straight days. They prayed. Well, we, we see that, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, the Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem. And when they had entered... They went up to the upper room where they were staying and all of the ones listed except for Judas Iscariot are there, Peter, John, all of them. Verse 14, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with the brothers. Continually devoting themselves in prayer with one mind. What, was, what were they collectively of one mind about? And what were they continually devoting themselves to prayer for the purpose of? For the receiving of that which Jesus said they were going to get. The promise of the Father. The filling of the Spirit. The ability to have a power that they had never known before. Now folks, listen to me. You can write this off. You can check out on this. You can say that was for Peter and he was supposed to be the head of the church and that was for Mary, the mother of Jesus. Great Scott, who am I compared to her? And you can say, oh, that was for them. <laughs> or I dare you, I dare you, I dare you to say, Lord, if those were just examples of the kinds of people that you intend this promise to be, then I'm ordinary just like they're ordinary. I'm not theologically educated just like none of them were theologically educated. I'm a, I'm a businessman or was a businessman or a businesswoman. I'm a mother. All of those that were listed, they were types of people whom the Lord is saying the Father wants to pour out his spirit upon. All right. Are you, are you, are you with me now? We, that this isn't talking about somebody else. It's, talking about, it's not talking about some super breed of super Christians. It's talking about ordinary people with ordinary jobs, with ordinary haircuts, with ordinary shoe sizes, living in ordinary towns, driving ordinary chariots or whatever they drove then. And Lord, if you meant it for them, then I'm asking you in your mercy, I know I've been redeemed. I know you rescued me. I, I know that. I know I belong to you. But Lord, if there's another dimension of how you want to use me and what you want to do through me that I don't have the ability to do and you know I don't have the ability to do. And if you're telling me there is another supply of heaven's energy, if there's another supply of the living presence of the living Jesus inside me. And Lord, I, 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 want, I want it. I want that. I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. 
but I can't keep, the, I can't stay on the task. I have the fear of man that can shut me down. I have dreams that'll seem too big and too far and I'm disqualified for. Lord, if some way or another your heart is to give me power, then I want to know that power. Now that just needs to cook. That just needs to sit. That just needs to cook. Nobody can pray this prayer for you. You can't go to Jerusalem or Jordan River and get baptized in the water and come up with that in you. It, it's something that you have to say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Luke eleven thirteen. 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who are asking? It, it's not a one-time deal. It's not some crisis event. It is something that has to go on like we breathe, like we eat. Can I get a witness, you know? To be filled, to allow ourselves to be being filled with the Spirit of Jesus. Some days that's easy to do. Some days that's an automatic default position. Some days we may not even wake up until 5 o'clock that afternoon and realize I hadn't even thought that because my day was so smooth. Everything seemed to fit. It all seemed to be good and easy. It's at the place of the impossibilities. It's at the place of the needs where it's quick and easy for us to register. I can't do that, Lord, without your help. That's the trigger. Lord, fill me with your spirit so that in this place I'm able to give a witness of how you would respond, of what you would say, that you'd give me the ability to know the choice I need to make that would honor you, that you would empower me to be a witness for you whether I say a word or whether I don't speak a word, whether it's expression, whether it's hold steady, whether it's kindness, whether it's the joy that's on my face in the face of difficult circumstances, I need your power. Fill me, Lord. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, fill me with your your spirit. How many times do I have to pray that, Pastor? Until you get it. Until it happens. Until you know there's rising up in you as you step into this place of assignment, as you step into this place of challenge, as you step into this place of, of it's just been the same thing, hard place, day after day. Lord, fill me with your spirit in this place that I may be a witness for you. So they stayed and they prayed. Ten days, one prayer. We're asking you, Lord, to give to us what the Father promised, what John spoke about, what you have said would be ours. Lord, fill us with your spirit. You, you weigh the impossibility of his assignment up against their innate knowledge of their own inadequacy. The, this, you'll be my witnesses. When all they knew was the last place they were hiding. The, 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 the doors would be locked and, and boarded, they would say, for fear of the Jews finding them and coming in to arrest them. What are you the most afraid of? What is the thing that shuts you down? What is the thing that holds you back? What is the thing that crushes your vision? 
What is the thing that causes you to feel the most isolated, the most worthless? What's your story? <laughs> What's your story? In that place, in that spot, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I'm empty here. I know I'm inadequate here. I know I can't make the dots connect here. I, this confuses me, but it's something that is on my plate. It's my circumstance. Lord, will you fill me here? I'm not asking, I'm not demanding a transfer. Get me out of Jerusalem, get me back to Galilee. Get me out of Jerusalem, get me back to Galilee. Galilee was a lot quieter. I like the water. No, your assignment is Jerusalem. You'll be my witness in Jerusalem. What's this Jerusalem for you? It's in that spot. It, it, it's not intended to beat us up. It's not intended to, to push us back. It's intended just to say, Lord, you got me where you got me. I'm right where I am because it, I, I couldn't do anything but not be here. Now, if you're telling me there's another dimension of power available to me in this location, then, oh, my goodness, Lord, I need it, and I want it, and I ask you for it. See, but some of us stop praying. I, you know, I, I've, been, I've been rescued. I've been caught up. I've been rescued. I'm in the family of God. But, you know, all hell's breaking loose around me. And I, I just, you know, I'm, I get discouraged. I stay discouraged. I stay down. I don't know what to do. I can't, I'm just, all I can do to hold on. And it may be that it's, we've never taken seriously what the Lord said. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give because you ask? There's something about the empowering of the Spirit that is incumbent upon us asking for that. I have, so that's why here's the challenge, a six-word prayer. Lord, I'm asking you. I don't know what it's going to feel like, look like, I don't know, but... But what I know is, Lord, I, I'm short on power. I lack here. Will you fill me with your spirit? Don't stop with the prayer, Lord, save me. You press on. He saved you for something. He cleaned you up, washed your face, gave you a new outlook for a reason. It's not that everybody's going to be a preacher or everybody's going to be doing something on a platform. But there are places that you get that nobody with reverend in front of their name can get into. Do I have a witness? First preacher they saw that they knew was a preacher, doors would lock, sell a pedal to the metal, getting out of Dodge, don't want to hear it. But you're there. You're there. And what are you there for? Lord, fill me with your spirit. So that if there's something you want to say, you'll give me what to say. If there's just a hunkering down, holding on, and doing the best I can with all my heart to glorify you, then I'm asking you to fill me for that. Amen. Fill me with words. Fill me with service. Fill me with heart. Fill me with kindness. Fill me, Lord. Fill me. So, so they pray. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, 
there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. John had said, he, when he comes, will baptize you with his spirit and with fire. And they were all filled, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, don't check out on me. Don't check out on me one way or the other in this theological aisle. Just stay with me. We're going to read the Scripture, okay? Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. They ran toward the sound and were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. They were from all over the world, different linguistic groups, different ethnicities. The miracle of this was the noise was heard, the crowd gathered, and when the crowd got there, they were hearing the things about the greatness of God and in particular who Jesus Christ was, and they were hearing about him in their own language. But the ones who were speaking their own language were Galileans, that they weren't native to Cappadocia and Egypt and all these other places that were listed. They were amazed and marveled, saying, why are not all these who were speaking Galileans? That meant it was a sect of, of, um, of, of Judaism or part of Israel toward the Lee of Let me get my words here. The Sea of Galilee, Lake of Galilee. How is it that we each hear hear them in our own language to which we were born. And then all this listing, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and Mesopotamians and those from Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Egypt and so forth, they go on down through the whole, whole bunch of them, all the way from Rome, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they're full of sweet wine. In other words, they're just, they're just drunk. Let me, let me give you a definition or give you one way of identifying this matter of being filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> it is simply this. Power to be a witness for Jesus in whatever your circumstance requires. Jesus had said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. It isn't just for the purpose of making us happy or giving us a little bit of joy or lifting a burden. The coming of the Spirit in power in your life and in my life is for the purpose of enabling us, empowering us, to a degree that is not native to us, to be loyal to Jesus, to be, to be affectionately connected with him and to be willing to and to operate in the, in the position of testifying of who he is. You shall receive power for the purpose of being a witness for me. But that last part is important in whatever situation 
is required, whatever is required in that situation. In this situation, there were all these people groups that had shown up in Jerusalem for this annual feast called Pentecost, coming 50 days after Passover. They came from all over the known world virtually at that time. The gifting that was expressed on the day of Pentecost as the Spirit empowered the church was for the purpose of causing people who in other ways wouldn't hear about him as clearly as if they were hearing him in their own language, in their own tongue. It, 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 was, it was a specific, it was a surgical strike. These people, whom the Lord loved as much as the ones who had already been walking with Jesus and who had come to know him, all of these folks needed to know about him too. He, he could not have begun to explain in the upper room or to the group that would be in the upper room, here's what I'm going to do with you. Here, just, just, just let me explain to you what I'm going to do. You right there, third row from the back, you're going to be given the Mesopotamian language to speak. You're going to be given Egyptian. You're going to be given Latin to speak to, to the Romans. He, he didn't tell them all of that. But he said, you just seek to be filled with that which the Father has promised. And you will be enabled and you will be equipped to bear witness of me to a supernatural degree. And it would be, in this case, a supernatural means. It'd be like all of a sudden, how many of you speak Spanish? Well, you're very comfortable with Spanish. Go on and come. Would you raise your hand? That's a bunch of you. It would be like if you, <laughs> if you walked in this room and you knew there's a guy from South Mississippi who on a normal day, on a good day, can't work his way through all the options in the Taco Cabana menu. <laughs> and I step up here, and you can tell I'm fired up just by the tone of my voice, and I just start blowing you away with my Castilian Spanish. And then I throw in a little Tex-Mex Spanish. And then I'm just, I'm just preaching to the whole, everybody just nothing but Spanish. You would go, what in the world is going on? What has happened? Because you'd know that guy, he, he talks with a southern accent, and now he's talking like he grew up in Monterey or he grew up... Where did that come from? Where did that come from? It was that kind of registry of the supernatural when the ones who heard it, and let me tell you something else. The point is, what the Lord has done before, the Lord can do again. Uh, but, but, so we don't need to be freaking out. If I have the Lord to fill me, then, then and you end up somewhere in China, and you end up, like people are under, here understanding you in Chinese, and you don't know the first thing about Chinese. You're just talking English, and it's coming out that way. Or maybe you get the ability to speak another. God is God, and he knows what he needs to have done, and, and he's able to do it with whoever, whomever he chooses to do it with. After the first service, I was approached by one of our guys who was one of our faithful servants in the Support Saturdays ministry that we had years for years and years, and the homeless and the hungry and the needy. Come, we still we still do that on a on a little bit of a smaller scale. We were doing it two Saturdays a month. We do it one Saturday a month now. But several years ago, this gentleman who's from Oklahoma um, just loved the Lord. Felt you'd recognize his name. Number of you, if I if I called his name, they, they moved back to Oklahoma. But he he was he was preaching at Support Saturday 
down there in one of the rooms. And after it was over, a lady came up with her mother. And she said, oh, Brother David, his name was David. I just didn't know. I didn't know that you knew Spanish so well. And he looked at her and he said, well, I don't. I don't. He said, well, my mother only understands Spanish. And the daughter and was sitting next to the mother, they heard what the man said in perfectly clear Spanish. Encouraged the woman. I think she already knew the Lord, but needed to be encouraged. Now look, what God has done before, God can do again. What God has done before, God can do again. Well, Peter, you know, Peter, when all, they get all the crowd and they, they get to ask him, what in the world is going on? And so Peter stands up. And, and he, he, you know, he, he just begins to say, now look, this is verse 14, Peter taking his stand with the 11. Well, where was Peter just a few weeks before? Peter wouldn't even be identified as a companion of Jesus, let alone someone who would bear witness. But now something has happened to Peter. The things that scared him to death, the things that pushed him back, did not have the grip on him anymore. Folks, that's what this is about. Power that has ability to set you free, to shake you loose from the shackles of people and opinions and memories and situations and all of that stuff. The power of the Spirit sets the captive free. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You find you look at a drunk, he may, he, he may be happy for the time being, but he's free. You know, he, he may fall, he'll fall back off into the dark, but at least the guy's free. Or she's free. Or there's a confidence. There may be a superficial joy. Why did Peter have to say, we're not drunk, but we're filled with the Spirit? Now, I'm not talking heresy here. I'm just letting the Bible say what the Bible says. There, it's always set in juxtaposition or like always, in the two prominent places, Acts 2 and Ephesians 5. Paul will say in Acts 5, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Peter says, we're not drunk, we're filled with the Spirit. There is to be something that happens inside you and me when the Spirit of the living God fills us that accomplishes the bright side, the good side, of what alcohol can accomplish on a temporary thing. There's a confidence. There's a knowing. There's a joy. There's a won't shut up about it. Because you know what you know what you know. Now, I don't go ask everybody to raise their hand when I'm well acquainted with what drunkenness is all about, Pastor, but I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But what if... What if the reasons that you went to alcohol, because you found something there that helped you cope, that gave you a sense of stability, some, whatever it would be, what if that was just Satan's counterfeit, Satan's substitute, or what the Lord, by his spirit, wants you to walk in and enjoy, and it's clean, it's not dirty, it's freedom, it's not bondage, it's life, it's not death. 
I, I, I realize some pastor, why don't you get off on another subject? Because this is the main subject in a great sense. That you're going to understand the Bible better. You're going to understand what the words mean. If the one who wrote the book is saturating the inside of you, is helping you understand this is what I mean. The things that he has for you to do, the places he wants for you to go, the energy within you, I'm going. And I'm trusting that as I go, Lord, you're going to give me what I need to speak, to do, to express, to not do, to back away as you lead me. Fill me with your spirit, Jesus. Fill me with your spirit. Now, I, I got to, we're already hearing the background music. That means it's time for the pastor to begin to wind it up. And that's not there. I've asked Josh to do that. I said, Josh, when I hit about 1215, help me start bringing this thing in for a landing. You know, because you're so wonderful to speak to. I could go all day, but next Sunday we need to come back to and spend some time on this Acts chapter 4 passage. What were the symptoms, what were the indications in Peter's life of the filling of the Spirit? You know, the, the, the way the enemy has come in is he said, well, you know, everybody, the only thing that, that God ever does when he fills people with the Spirit, you know, as he, he makes them this particular size nut driver right there. And, and so the way you're going to know, the only way you're going to know that, that the Spirit has filled you is if you got that same thing right there that I have had happen to me, and, and, and then that's the way we're going to know you're filled with the Spirit. It's like taking... The book of Acts, what happened, well, not the book of Acts, but in particular Acts chapter 2, and making that the one size that has to fit all, that has to indicate you're either filled or you're not filled on the basis of whether you've ever spoken in a language that you didn't know but somebody else knew. The only problem with that, it is hard to support it from Scripture. I'll give you an example. The 3,000 who were converted on that day, the 3,000, there's no indication <laughs> that any of those 3,000 ever spoke with a language, spoke in a tongue like the 120 did. You find it in the book of Acts if you can find it, and it's not there. But here's how the filling of the Spirit was registered was indicated because they received the promise of the Father. That was Peter had said. You repent and be baptized, and this promise is intended for you and all your children. Well, then he just starts saying there were 3,000 that day that received the Lord, and, and then it's verse 42, when they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, breaking of the bread and prayer, and everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. They just started sharing. What was the evidence of the filling of the Spirit? They couldn't get enough of the Word of God. They couldn't get enough of fellowshipping with other brothers and sisters in Jesus. And some of those folks from, from, from Rome and Mesopotamia and Egypt, some of the folks who were there for, for, the, for the, the Jewish feast, evidently didn't go home. 
<laughs> they found something that they've been looking for and they just stayed right there. So that's why they ended up having to sell stuff and, and, and pool their resources so that these folks that didn't have jobs and didn't have places to live would have places to live as well as the poor and needy within the city. The spirit filling the early church a sub-point might be that there, there, was, there was an expression of tongues, but you've got to go eight more chapters to chapter 10 and Cornelius' household where you hear tongues mentioned again. And then you've got to skip all the way to chapter 19 to Paul's meeting the, the, in, in Ephesus, the disciples of John the Baptist, where there's even another mention of tongues. You've got all those chapters where there's one story after another of brothers and sisters in Jesus being bold in their fearless witness for Jesus and the joy of the Lord working in their hearts and, and the way that the Lord was speaking to them and using them. Important that we not make something that was, that was the, the, the Phillips head, you know, or the, or the small driver, that everything, everything's got to be just that size. No, it doesn't. The point is the power. The sub point is how he uses me. This can be changed out all over the place. But if you don't have the power, it won't matter what he sticks in your big old mouth. You know, it won't matter because there's no power. So the point is, you know, and I, I hope to goodness some of my seminary professors won't, won't want to kick me through the goalpost of life. For I don't feel like this is butchering the text. I just feel like it's there. I feel like it's the truth. That, that God can do anything at any time that he's ever done or that he's never done. But we get in trouble when we start saying it's got to look like this for everybody. That this is how it has to be for everybody. No. There's freedom. There's freedom. What you need, where you live, who you know, what's put before you, the power of the spirit of Jesus can enable you to be all of that. And to do it with a sense of joy and not a sense of ought, not a sense of weariness, drudging, drudging, it being drudgery. I think one of the reasons that this thing of don't, don't be trying to make one size fit all in this matter of there's only one indication of the filling of the Spirit and it's Acts 2. You, you can't prove it with the 3,000 and then you can't prove it with the life of Jesus. Where does it ever mention that Jesus spoke, did Spoke in tongues. Is that, you, know, you look, look at Luke 4. You know, he was baptized. The Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. From there it says that he was led, in chapter 4, that's 3, Luke 4, he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested. The manifesting of the fullness of the Spirit for Jesus in that season was his ability to resist the enemy. He had power by the Spirit to resist the enemy. And then it says, after he had left the wilderness, that, that he, he came forth in the power of the Spirit. And he was led then to go into and start teaching and speaking the truth of the kingdom in the synagogues in the area surrounding. There's never a mention that Jesus had the same experience that the 120 had in the upper room. There's no mention of Jesus. It's an argument for silence, from silence to make the 3,000 also fit there. And then you got all those chapters. 
Well, there's nothing said about that particular expression, but there's all kinds of testimony of how the life of Jesus and the freedom of Jesus was opening the mouths of normally quiet, placid, scared people and giving them the ability to, in an infectious way, tell folks about the living Christ and the love of God and what he did for you on the cross. That's the consistent again and again and again emphasis and theme. When Shirley and I were called to the First Baptist Church of Hobart, Oklahoma, first church right out of seminary, met a man in that wonderful small community named Paul Mahoney. Paul grew up in a home. He was an electrician by trade. He grew up in a home, and his daddy was a preacher. He knew his daddy loved the Lord, and, and, and he was taught well in many ways. But the one thing that Paul came into adulthood with was this deep sense of inadequacy as it related to who he was in the Lord. Because the culture of that particular denomination was the only way you know that you have been filled with the Spirit is if there is a duplication of what happened to the 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. He would say, David, I prayed for it. I prayed for the Lord to give me tongues. And not just once, but it was a part of his life because, because the sense was if you don't have that, you really, you really, you really are not are not filled with the Spirit. Because the only way that you'll ever know that you're filled with the Spirit is if it fits that bit size. His daddy went on to be with the Lord. And I'm sure in heaven Paul's there now too, but I'm, I'm sure they've gotten this all straightened out then. But Paul said, with a sadness in his heart, I've always felt like a second-class Christian because I never, he said, I could have faked it, but I wasn't going to do that. Let me tell you something. You can fake tongues, but you can't fake boldness. You, you can fake some of it, but you can't fake genuine expression of the heart caring for people. And I'm going to tell you, he had that. He, he could... He could out Jimmy Swaggart, Jimmy Swaggart. I mean, I remember that. When, in, in, in the good days of Jimmy Swaggart, when he, was, when he was sitting at that piano and he was singing those hymns and calling folks to Jesus and all that, uh, musically, it, it, was, it was powerful. Paul would get up and sing, I've never been this homesick before. And other songs. That just, and I'm telling you, it was as if the Lord would just fill the room. Tears in the eyes of folks loving Jesus, folks wanting to come to know the Lord. Power coming out of the man, electrician, with a song in his soul, but never able to settle it. That he was just a second class Christian because he didn't have the gift that somebody else said he needed to have. I would say, Paul. Look at how God uses you. Look at what's happening. Look at the joy that flows out of you when you're doing it. But some way, somehow, some of these standards 
that, that you just can't back up with all of Scripture. Start with the life of Jesus. Start there. And then move into other places. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Folks, listen, it's in whatever, whatever form you need in your situation for his power to enable you <laughs> to be a witness for him. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I just dare you to try that. I dare you. I dare you. Not just on Sunday while we're sitting here dancing with each other. Nobody's cussing. Nobody's telling sleazy jokes. Nobody's stolen anything that we know of. This, this is, this is halftime. This isn't the game. This is halftime. This is X's and O's and, and calling offensive plays and bur get buttressing up for defense. This isn't the game. It's Monday. It's Tuesday afternoon. It's Wednesday. It's Thursday. It's Friday. It's out there. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, for you, you watch. You watch how he will show up. You watch how he will give you a sense that there's something you need to say or there's something you don't need to say or there's a, there's a hidden act of kindness that nobody but heaven is going to know, but you're doing it because he prompted. You know what will happen? Instead of you being worn out, there'll be such a thrill, such a registry in your spirit that that was God and my spirit said yes and I did it and, and, and Lord, thank you for just letting me be a part. Larry told me before the first service, and this is where you being prompted to give generously, to, to, to honor the, the call on, on your tithe, the first 10%. So, but, but, but we can know all that stuff, and, and we can just set it aside un, unless there is the power of the Lord working in us. I'm gonna obey. I want to honor the Lord with that which he's blessed me with. I, I want to I give to him on the basis of what all he's done for me. Well, Larry said, got a call this week, and there's a family that had moved here, picked up, left Arizona, moved to San Antonio. Dad didn't have a job. Godly people that just felt like the Lord said, pick up and come. Five kids, five kids. Some way or another, they ended up at Alamo City this week, during the week. And they said, if we could just have some help washing our clothes, seven of them, five kids, because of your, some of y'all didn't even know this, there's a washer and dryer down there on Larry's end of things. I guess Melissa gets tired, Larry will wash his own clothes down there. I'm not sure how that works, but. But we have that, and, 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 this, and this whole side of the building you know, with, with food and clothes and stuff because of your faithfulness, because somehow the Lord stirs up that generosity in you, and, 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 and you help us do that. Larry said, we're able to, he said it took them two days to wash their clothes, two days. Washing machine wasn't broken. It, it was running. We were able to feed them. We were able to give them some things to eat. Not asking for hundreds of dollars, not asking for, for money, just, just well, well, 
you know, you, you, you're around folks that, that are connected with our mercy ministries and you understand why they're connected with our mercy ministries. It's not always an easy answer. It's not always a quick fix. But there's something inside that just goes off when you sense this is the Lord bringing this need here. And the need that's coming, he's already made provision for over here. So we get to go over here in these closets and these shelves and bring stuff out and give it to the one that the Lord brought here. And you just know that's the Lord, the Lord doing that. And he puts it in our hearts to want to participate in that way. There are many indications of the fullness of the Spirit. Many indications of his filling us with strength, filling us with hope, causing us to keep on going because as Romans 5 said, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Therefore, we can exalt in our tribulations and we can know that patience is going to be worked through all that's going on. It's because I know I'm loved and because I know I'm loved, I can put up with junk. Because I know I'm loved, I can hunker down and stay in a tough place. Because I know I'm loved, I can make it. We'll just spend a little more time on that next week. I want to ask you to come back, join us in Acts chapter 4, and we'll spend some time with that. Filled with the Spirit, here's how you know. And it's not just one size fits all. It's not just one experience, and that's it. It's the ongoing process of day by day, throughout the day, Lord, fill me. I see this meeting coming. I know I got to return that phone call. I know I got to deal with this with the kids. I know I got to walk through this thing with my beloved spouse. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me. It's practical because he is everywhere you are. There's nothing you're going to face that he doesn't already know. Lord, fill me with your spirit. And he will. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the time together with brothers and sisters. Thank you for the assurance from your spirit that these words are true that you will take us seriously at our request. Lord, fill me. We don't have it, Lord. We can't do it. But what Paul said, we want to know for ourselves is true. I can do all things through the one who is giving me strength. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen.